Hello and welcome to On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. I'm Dr. Carmen, a licensed psychologist in the state of Florida. I see adults and geriatrics with a range of anxiety, depression, relationship issues, caregiver stress, post-traumatic stress, and performance uh, stress issues. So this month, we're focusing on post-traumatic stress disorder. And in this episode, episode 34, we will be talking about racial trauma, its effects, and how that is similar to PTSD overall, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how it may be treated. So let's get into that. Let's start with a little bit from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual version five, technical revision. And according to that, they did some more studies on um, the prevalence of post-traumatic stress. And they noted that there was some variance for Latinx people, African-Americans and American Indians compared with whites. They say that potentially this is because Prevalence variations included differences in predisposing or enabling factors such as exposure to past adversity and racism and discrimination and in availability or quality of treatment, social support, socioeconomic status, and other social resources that facilitate or make recovery easier and are confounded with ethnic and racialized background. So at the same time, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual version 5 TR also acknowledges that racial trauma is in fact a real issue experienced by certain members of our population and therefore is worthy of a diagnosis, and again, also worthy of treatment. Now, we did not have that acknowledgement in previous versions to my knowledge, which is one of the things that made me want to focus on post-traumatic stress for this month and teasing about, teasing out some of these differences. Uh, the other thing that wanted that made me want to share this with you and help explain it to you is the convergence of social justice issues in the last two years, um, especially um, in the summer of 2021, 2020. Um, so having a space to talk about that and also to address the fact that I am seeing larger numbers of individuals come through my doors with these particular symptoms and issues. The last piece of this puzzle is the publication by Dr. DeGruy on um, the post-traumatic slave syndrome. So we'll be talking a little bit about how she defines it, and then we will talk about how she recommends treating it. So let's move on to Dr. DeGruy's definition of post-traumatic stress. She begins by leading with the DSM-IV um, 
explanation of what post-traumatic stress is. Um, she said that the following are a list of some of the conditions which give rise to mental or emotional traumas that justify the diagnosis of PTSD. So a serious threat or harm to one's life or physical integrity, a threat or harm to one's children, spouse, or close relative, sudden destruction of one's home or community, seeing another person injured or killed as a result of an accident or physical violence, learning about serious threats to a relative or close friend being kidnapped, tortured, or killed. The stressor is experienced with intense fear, terror, and help, helplessness. The stressor and disorder is considered to be more serious and will last longer when the stressor is of human design. Now, Dr. DeGruy also goes on to say, I want to make sure that I'm saying that right. Dr. DeGruy also goes on to say in this chapter that many slaves did not experience just one of those stressors, rather many experienced all of them. So then she ponders what must it be like to be a survivor, you know, generations down the line when we're still experiencing and exposed to a lifetime of traumas. And I quote, even with the fact that not everyone is traumatized by traumatic events, anyone with limited astuteness could surmise that a considerable number of African slaves are likely to have suffered from PTSD. So again, she is extrapolating further that generational, how do I put this? Um, you know, in this community, in my community, let me put it that way. In my community, um, Creole, um, African-American background, um, born in Louisiana, um, we talk about generational curses. Again, fundamental, relate, fundamental religion-based background here, again, Seg segmenting it out a little bit more um, because the Black American experience is not homogenous. We are not all the same. We are made up of Afro-Caribbean people. We are made up of uh, African people, not of American descent. We are made up of um, Afro-Latina or Afro-Latinx people, we are not all the same. We have many different experiences, whether we come from Haiti or we come from directly from Africa, which region of Africa, which region of the U.S., we are all different. But the uniting principle may be the experiences we have with discrimination that disallows us safety, comfort, um, disallows us to provide for our family or could have caused racialized events such as, you know, living in the South, um, having crosses burned in your yard or having been discriminated against or prevented from um, 
moving up in your job because of the color of your skin. And those are just some small, small things. Um, Dr. DeGroote points out intense psychological distress at exposure to internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of a traumatic e event and puts this into context of, you know, kind of getting picked at constantly with racial discrimination, uh, with uh, being bombarded constantly. And this is my interpretation with the George Floyd situation with other um, police shootings where you don't know if you're safe, whether you're educated or not educated, uh, upstanding citizen or not, because it seems like your life is always in danger that somebody could take your liberty away at any time for no reason. You feel helpless. You're witnessing the events because we had a lot of these events memorialized on video and every news show on, on the planet was replaying it repeatedly and replaying the protests and you know not seeming to be able to get help or understanding all of that compounds to cause more of a racial trauma and a racial PTSD, if you will. So she says, what about those individuals who experience a lifetime of slavery? What symptoms do you think they would have exhibited? She thinks, again, that these would be the similar to symptoms of PTSD, and I quite agree. She also says um, even more impactful than the physical assault on their bodies was the daily assault, and I quote, it was the daily assault on their psyches since the capture and transport of the first African slaves, those brought to these shores had to deal with systemic efforts to destroy the bonds of relationship that held them together as well as continuing efforts to have them believe themselves to be less than human. Now, if you have been following the podcast, you know, in episode 33, we talked about a lot of how you become dissociated from yourself and reality in the present moment in trying to deal with your triggers. We talked about how that might impair your relationships um, because you're dealing with the trauma and trying to make sense of the trauma. We also talked about part of the treatment being changing the negative beliefs you developed because of the trauma. So Dr. DeGruy is speaking to developing a belief that you're less than, not worthy, that you're more deserving of maltreatment. And those are my words, not her words, but these are some of the things that people with post-traumatic slave syndrome might be believing about themselves that, you know, no matter what, they're going to wind up incarcerated or that their rights don't matter. Um, maintenance of a healthy and secure relationship is one of the most important values within the African culture. So what do you think would happen if those relationships were destroyed or never allowed to fully take root again? So this is part of the heart of her thesis for 
how post-traumatic slave syndrome affects people and then how we treat it, how we manage it. Um, so let's see what else I want to say about that. So dealing both from the book and the workbook for post-traumatic slave syndrome, let's go to the workbook and talking about, um, she kind of encapsulates that chapter um, about post-traumatic slave syndrome. She says that it, quote, explains a prolonged exposure to a multitude of mental, emotional, and physical injuries coupled with ongoing discriminatory and oppressive practices. Now, I'm going to reemphasize, it's a multitude of mental, emotional, and physical injuries coupled with ongoing discriminatory and oppressive practices. So in her words, um, the symptoms associated with the concept of a survivor syndrome in other individuals and groups are also discussed in this chapter. Manifestations of post-traumatic slave syndrome show as, as not having good self-esteem, having an ever-present anger. And I can attest to a lot of the anger coming out with patients that have come through my doors um, and racist socialization um, are elucidated. So the purpose of the chapter is to help you understand how all of this goes together uh, with the discrimination, with the intercultural practices that may help or hurt that, the learned helplessness from this constant generational uh, stripping away of someone's power and discrimination and other cruelties along those lines we just discussed. Um, socialization and different things like that. So some key questions she asked is, you know, what does that post-traumatic slave syndrome conjure up for you? Um, based on your personal experiences, have you had to exemplify the concept in your life? And um, how has post-traumatic slave syndrome impacted members of your family? How is it transmitted and what individuals were responsible for transmitting it? It's, it's a very dense topic. Um, I would say that, you know, it's to help those of us who are undergoing it to understand and deal with it and to help those of us who are able to and trained to, to help you, the survivors, deal with it and break the intergenerational cycle of it, even if we still have racial discrimination and oppression going on in America. Again, this is not an indictment on America. We are not talking about how to treat the the problem of racism in America do not misunderstand me. I want to uncover ways to help individuals heal, especially as a major diagnostic and statistical manual, which we use to guide our treatment in therapy, recognizes racial trauma 
as a component of post-traumatic stress disorder. And Dr. DeGruy um, presents us a marvelous way to deal with said post-traumatic slave syndrome or racial PTSD symptoms so that, again, we can help heal people. We can help people break that trauma cycle, keep from passing it on to the next generation, and also to provide the things that maybe we don't get because we have this economic disparity. So the socioeconomic disparity means that we have less access to treatment because we can't afford it. Um, We have less access to treatment because other providers who are not of color may not have the skills to deal with this because generations of racial trauma may have predisposed us to these faulty trauma beliefs that we're not going to trust anybody in authority. Um, We are not going to trust anybody who could come back and use it against us because that is what we have learned through generations of this type of oppression and um, trauma. Um, It may be that we help each other heal by learning how to be a community again, which is part of the basis of Dr. DeGruy's work is how can we heal by building community again and supporting each other? Because as I said, the DSM-4 TR acknowledges that people who have support do better, heal better, navigate this better, um, can be more functional if they have the right support, access to therapy. Again, access to therapy is required for people who have lower socioeconomic status, just as much as middle and upper class. But unfortunately, many people of color do not get those access or if they have access to it, they will not use it much as my veterans may not use it because they don't want to be in the system and they don't want the system to further restrict them or abuse them. Um, It is what it is. These are the factors in getting treatment. These are the factors in being able to heal, to call it what it is, because once we label it, then we can do something about it. This constant ignoring it, hiding it, suppressing it, pushing it away, um, dissociating yourself from the situation doesn't mean that it isn't happening, especially in the last two years or so. It is very much so happening. And even if we are not in those cities and not at those actual events of trauma, we have witnessed them countlessly, countless times on TV, on news, and then witnessing the fact that the oppressors, the the abusers were caught on tape, but did not receive any punishment or negative consequences, again, reinforces this idea that, that this is my lot in life. I have no power. I have no agency. Bad things are going to keep happening to me because nobody cares. Because nobody wants to make it right. Because nobody wants to hold the oppressors, the traumatizers responsible. 
even victims of sexual assault get their day in court, but many victims of racial trauma do not. Um, you know, it's not perfect with sexual assault victims. It may not be perfect with victims of robberies and homicides. Um, it may not be perfect with victims of violent crimes, but somebody is going to say, it's okay. We're going to try to hold these people accountable when we catch them. For the last few years, it has seemed as though nobody was going to be held accountable. And there was more victim blaming, shaming, and destruction of the victim and the victim's families as far as being worthy of being given justice, which reinforces the post-traumatic stress syndrome. So... That is my introduction to post-traumatic slave syndrome. Um, again, the purpose is to reflect and discuss um, the manifestations of post-traumatic slave syndrome or racial trauma um, and to help us have some ways to elaborate on how to deal with that. Um, there's a book and a workbook. I'm not affiliated with Dr. DeGruy. Um, she is not a sponsor of this podcast. Um, so those are my disclaimers. This is just in my efforts to educate myself and educate others who are seeking help with this particular issue. It's not in your mind. You're not crazy. These things have happened. We have to figure out how to help you heal and help you rediscover your agency to help you rediscover your voice, to develop support and community around you so that you can do these things and perhaps leave the job where you're being, you know, racially profiled, uh, where it's become a hostile environment because of racial profiling, um, leave other situations that have, or heal from other situations that have, provided, as she said, the mental, emotional abuse and oppression of you and your family um, and the ongoing discrimination. So that is what we do. This is part of the healing. And again, it's my effort to educate you as I am educating myself so I can better help you heal when you're in my office or to help you find other therapists who have gotten the certification, who have been educated, trained, et cetera, to deal with these particular problems. If this is what you have been experiencing, so you can recognize it for yourself, get to the proper clinician and get help to heal. So thank you for joining me on the couch today. My name is Dr. Carmen. Again, if you found something useful or an aha moment in this broadcast and you share it out on socials, do hashtag DRK mind body. Um, also, you can subscribe and share the message with other people to get it out. Um, and 
ask me anything that you would like me to talk further on on the podcast with regards to mental health, emotional health, mindset, and um, being your best self, living your best life. So thank you again for being on the couch. I appreciate you and I will see you next time.